This is Inspiring Design, where unique innovators come together to share their knowledge, share their insight, and keep us up to date with the latest industry trends. And here's your host, Rashan Senanayak. So welcome to the very first episode of the Inspiring with Design with uh, with myself and uh, I've got one of the um, very special guests uh, with us here today. Um, we've got Andrew Scott, a senior um, lecturer for the, for the School of Design at QUT um, Creative Industries faculty. Andrew is widely known for his work in supporting the secondary sector. He constantly gives back with a lot of workshops and uh, speaking at conferences. He's also a member of the expert writing team for the new design syllabus that's coming up um, and implemented next year. Not only that, he's also been a presenter at many of the QCAA implementation workshops in the recent past as well. Now, I've had the pleasure of um, working with Andrew since actually 2013 under his leadership in delivering um, the Introduction to Design core unit at QUT. It's a short but intensive course that um, falls within each design disciplines for the first years. And um, every year we have a lot of fun and it's a unique experience from the student side as well. We have a lot of fun doing it and teaching it and really good feedback. So welcome and thank you for uh, joining us today, Andrew. Great to see you, Shad. Great to see you again. So uh, tell me a little bit about um, your role and background here at QUT. Well, I've been teaching at QT, uh, oh, geez, a long time. I think this is my 31st year. That's there you embarrassing. Go. Wow. <laughs> Not embarrassing at all. <laughs> um, my background's in industrial design, so mm-hmm. I was educated. Uh, I got my degrees at QIT. Yep. yep. Um, and uh, I was quite drawn to teaching um, quite early on. So I was uh, uh, doing some practice and then teaching part time, and slowly the balance tw- uh, switched to full-time teaching quite yep. rapidly. I like the pace, I guess, the, and the control uh, of teaching. Yep. Um, so yeah, I've been doing it for quite a while now. And mostly I concentrate on first year. So I've taught yep. at all levels of our programs, mm-hmm. um, including our, our graduate diploma, um, uh, the one we used to have. Um, but um, I've generally gravitated to first year, yep. uh, teaching first year students, people just coming in, many of them from high schools, yep. um, but about half of them are mature age students. Yep. And uh, I guess that's a really satisfying place to work because yep. you see such a radical difference in their uh, abilities from one semester to the next. Yep. So it's a very quick, it's very rewarding. No, that's change. brilliant. And um, you've been delivering the DB101 introduction to um, design for how long has it been? Uh, now? This year was the 13th. 13th, yeah. Yeah, yeah that's, that's brilliant. And I've been only been lucky enough to part, be part of it since 2013, and I've always had fun. So as a student in 2008, I think, wow. and, and as a tutor, so that's, that's great. Um, so in design education, obviously being in there for 31 years, that's, that's uh, incredible. Um, what would you say has been the biggest changes and challenges that you can see um, as a design educator or just in general as the design industry and then and as part of the education system? Well, I suppose there's a couple of things that have changed over that time. Uh, I mean, from an education perspective, one of the biggest changes is the class sizes. So our classes sizes are much bigger. Yeah. We used to teach uh, classes of around about 30 people and 
Um, usually our industrial design classes in first year are around about 140, 120. Yeah. So that's that was a quite a traumatic change initially. Mm. Um, and so you have to be a lot more prepared, a lot more systematized, I guess. Um, uh, of course, technology's changed quite a lot. Um, but that has perhaps been, um, has had less change on how we teach design than you might think. So I think many people assume that um, designers are kind of predominantly digital and maybe in some disciplines they are. So uh, mm-hmm. I imagine uh, uh, web design and uh, disciplines, uh, you know, uh, graphic design, very heavily orientated towards uh, digital production. Yeah. Um, but in, uh, in many fields of professional design, we're still very much grounded in uh, pencil on the paper. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I think many people wonder if that's just some old fuddy-duddy teaching <laughs> the way they've always taught. Um, but we do take pains to stay in contact with industry, mm-hmm. uh, to talk to people in design offices yeah. and see what skills they look at. Yeah. And it's been a constant that people want to see uh, rough sketches. They want to see how people can actually sketch and draw yeah. Yeah. conceptually, um, and we uh, we take for granted that they can do the really polished CAD stuff yeah. as part of their portfolio. Yeah. So I think that's kind of interesting. The technology has changed, but mm-hmm. the basic approach to how design works mm-hmm. is a constant. The process yeah. is is little changed, yeah. which is kind yeah. of surprising. No, I don't that's see great. it changing in a hurry either. Um, yeah. I think we'll use more digital tools. Mm-hmm. Um, we might more use more uh, virtual tools in the near future. Yeah. But I think at, the, at its core, I think the basic skills are quite... Yeah. So regardless of the technology changing and all these different platforms are coming on board, the pen on paper, you think it'll never be replaced? Well, it's so cheap and it's so fast. That's Once true. you've acquired a certain amount of skill um, and it's extremely portable. Yeah. So um, I think depending on your discipline, there's usually um, a blending of analog and digital skills. Yeah. Um, and depending on the project, mm-hmm. uh, the duration of the project, the complexity of the project. Um, but what we expect our, our students to develop is mm-hmm. skills in a broad range of tools. Yeah. Many of those tools are analog, uh, making rough models, simple models, um, making polished models, mm-hmm. um, drawing sketches on paper. And many of those are digital, you know, yeah. doing CAD models, um, doing rapid prototyping models. And uh, yeah. it's a, a really blended skill set. Yeah. And I think that makes design very hands-on. Yeah. Um, not towards that, not so much the hands-on of making the finished thing, but very the hands-on process. in exploring the ideas. Yeah, yeah. no, definitely. Um, now, this is actually something that I've noticed in this last semester with my fourth years is... Um, their their sketching has even translated onto using an Apple um, pencil on an iPad, and most yeah, of the students yeah. actually bring a large Apple iPad Pro, and they're doing sketches on that. None of them actually just they don't actually bring trace paper anymore, yeah. which which confused That's me a little bit. And yeah. and I I sound old about yeah. <laughs> saying that, but I actually really prefer it personally because I played around with a few things um, and because of the pressure sensitivity and the 3D touch thing it's actually very much like you're drawing on paper yes that, yeah. the, that I think it can get a little bit more intuitive but have you ever had an experience using that yet yes yes uh, I'll get my bag here this is my iPad Pro I yep. I, I, I always travel with my there you go my, yeah <laughs> my Apple Pencil my iPad Pro and I love using it yeah um, I do a lot of work in class with it with my students Mm 
um, because, um, uh, well, I mean, internally, mm-hmm. the industrial design um, department has been discussing um, uh, for a few years now, at what point are we going to insist that our students bring one buy a tablet yeah um and a stylus yeah um we, we don't think we're there yet because there are some cost true you know there's a, a, a cost of entries uh is not to be ignored absolutely um and so we, we, we're not quite ready to do that yet but it, it's getting close but as you said the skills are highly transferable yeah so what you learn with a pencil uh, and a marker on, on a sheet of a3 bond paper hmm. is extremely transferable to um, a digital sketching medium. Yeah. So I think for schools where you've got a lot of students and a, a, a lot of cost, um, you know, to kidding a whole class out with, mm. you know, to be able to do design. Yeah. Uh, I think it's uh, it's interesting that that the actual setup costs can be very very low. They can be some some low cost pens. Mm. You don't even have to get the Copic markers to start off with. Um, um, it's mainly about rapidly exploring lots of ideas to think visually as early as possible and as often as possible in the process. And I think you can rely on people acquiring those skills on paper and quite seamlessly moving to a digital realm when they can or when they want to or if they want to. Yeah. And yeah. I don't think they should feel um, poorer for not having those initially. Yeah, and I've actually been an admirer of your sketches that you've been, I think, posting recently on Inktober. Oh, yeah. Inktober is a great, great fun. Yeah. <laughs> it's actually been... I've been really impressed oh, um, looking at those. Was was that hand or was that on the iPad? No, those are all... I've got my book here. They're, they're all, on, uh, all on ink. I was just thinking to myself, geez, maybe next year I should do them <laughs> on my iPad. On the iPad, yeah. Um, but I, when, I, when I did number eight, yeah. where I overworked the paper, that's just ink... That's just ink saturating yeah. the paper. Yeah. For me, doing it using ink on paper is a bit, yeah. um, a bit of a pleasure. Mm-hmm. Like it's, um, it's not what I do on the for iPad. my students. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, um, so it's fun to work on a, in a medium that isn't necessarily your preferred medium for a while. Yeah. You know, that imposes limitations and other opportunities as well. So yeah, yeah it's been a bit of fun. And it is something that I've started to notice in a lot of younger firms, like a few of my colleagues have opened up um, building designer firms and architectural firms, and they are actually marking up drawings and things like that on site, completely using their iPad and an Apple Pencil. So even that transition of saving paper, there you go, that's amazing. Yeah, so I've been doing rough sketches on my iPad and then creating the finished sketch on paper. Um, Yeah just because yeah, I don't know there you go that's brilliant yeah so you're seeing more people uh, even in the industry yes doing it digitally because I have uh, a feeling um, it's people are transitioning away from um, and looking at paperless uh, uh, design processes and things like that yeah. so it, 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 it's got its merits um, I think the more and more the technology improves it can work now for the benefit of our lis- listeners do you have any apps that you use to do the sketching if I'm using an iPad, the the apps are um, oh, um, the apps that I have in my in my dock, uh, the ones I use all the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, the, the primary one is Procreate. Procreate, yeah. Um, which I think costs around twelve or fifteen dollars. Okay. Um, but they never charge for like upgrades. a one-off payment. One, one-off, yeah. Okay. Yep. Um, they're a Tasmanian company. Mm-hmm. Companies in Hobart. That's just, good. Just just as an aside. <laughs> 
Um, the next one is uh, Autodesk Sketchbook, and I tend to use this when I need uh, ellipses mm -hmm. um, because Procreate doesn't have an ellipse tool. Um, I see, yeah. So in industrial design, we're often drawing uh, quite rectilinear forms mm -hmm. and uh, lots of you know cylinders and circular elements creep in. So I I use that for for some of those tasks, mm -hmm. and it's got a, a, a nice. Um, um, uh, symmetry tool, mm -hmm. uh, although Procreate just in, uh, introduced a symmetry tool in version 4 just recently. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, the symmetry tool is really good for um, sketching a lot of um, uh, a lot of products which are symmetrical. So you can set up a, uh, a reflective axis and, and crank them out. Um, I could go on about this for ages, so uh, <laughs> don't let me uh, bore you. No, that's all right. I'm um, actually learning about... Uh, the, I have never heard of Procreate before. I've only been using Autodesk Sketchbook. Oh, so okay. It's, okay. It's, well, it's Sketchbook is a great tool. Yeah. Uh, I really like the pencil tool, the original pencil tool. But uh, uh, this, this, uh, this page of uh, blenders, mm -hmm. uh, uh, sketches of blenders, these are all using the... Ref the mirror tool in Sketchbook, I uh, see. just moving it and yep. creating a new, um, a new symmetrical sketch. So, so this was done hundred percent on the iPad. Yeah, this was just drawn uh, on this device with the Apple Pencil. That's brilliant. Um, very quick, um, using layers. Um, that's the lovely thing about the layers is you can do a rough sketch, um, and then a more polished line over the on another layer and turn off the rough sketch if yep. you if you need that. For this kind of conceptual thinking, it's not necessary. Yep. You know you. You don't need. You don't worry about those rough lines. They're, yep. they're part of the process, and you don't need to hide them. Yeah. Uh, those are the two main ones. Mm -hmm. um, I use concepts a little concepts. bit. Concepts. Yep. Yeah. I use concepts a little bit. I'm, I'm not entirely comfortable with it. It's a vector-based program. Mm -hmm. um, um, some things that don't quite click for me. Um, mm -hmm. um, I use a linear sketch. Uh, that's actually a little bit expensive uh, for what you get. Um, another good free app is uh, Adobe Sketch. Adobe Sketch. Um, so it's got a really nice pencil tool. Um, so uh, that's another. You know, I've been I've yeah. been doing that for rough studies for Inktober. Yeah. Uh, in Adobe Sketch, you look. There's so many good apps. Um, in terms of, uh, I know some. I know some students using the uh, Microsoft Surface Pro. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think that's a good device. I have a Surface Pro 2, mm -hmm. and I found that quite wanting. Mm -hmm. um, but I think the more recent devices are, are quite good. Yep. And the sketching, you know, the stylus is pretty good too. Yep. And so um, I don't think there's as many sketching apps um, on the Surface Pro mm -hmm. as there are on the iPad. But I think Sketchbook is a very good one. Yeah. So that's that's good wherever you can find it. No, that's great. Um, so basically, to summarize, it's the Autodesk uh, Sketchbook. There's um, Concepts, and then there was the Adobe Sketchbook. Adobe Sketch. Adobe Sketch. And for me, the top one is Procreate. Procreate. Yeah. 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 But that's the paid app, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's right. So um, um, yeah, most of them have a paid component. Mm -hmm. Um, for, for premium example, features and yeah, so the on. Adobe Sketch really wants you to have a, a, an Adobe ID, um, although you can use it for free. Mm -hmm. um, but if you want to import, export, and save stuff, um, you may need a subscription. Mm -hmm. um, uh, Sketchbook has a, a basic layer. I oh, know that actually they recently made the Pro feature free. So mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, Sketchbook's pretty good. No, that's great. That's actually really helpful. And because uh, so, I've been asking these questions from my students, so yeah. it's it's good for yeah. me, my learning as well, and as well yeah. as the listeners. And uh, now, obviously, I think with with all this technology coming up, 
I think one of the biggest concerns that teachers have is the time to learn these things. Yeah. So, you know, if you've never used it before, you need to go through a bit of a learning curve. Now, my first question is, do you actually dedicate like an ongoing time where you consistently want to learn about new technology and t- trial and test these things? Um, I guess I've generally done it pretty organically. Okay. So um, I've always liked sketching. Yep. I don't usually sketch recreationally. Um, but um, it's so convenient with the iPad that it, I don't need to have a whole pile of markers and stuff. So if I want to sketch something, I'll often just grab the iPad these days. Um, I suppose I haven't really driven myself to master new things, particularly except out of interest, and mm. they just align well for me. Yeah. Um, I would say in terms of teachers feeling the pressure to be on top of all these different things, I would say, don't worry. Just relax. Yeah. Um, I I think it's nice to be able to show students that you are to demonstrate certain things, like yeah. in, in across the table, in a classroom setting. But I I don't feel the need to be an expert in everything my mm-hmm. students can do. So um, I don't know very much CAD. Um, uh, by the time my students are moving into second year. Mm-hmm. They know SolidWorks much better than I do. I know a little tiny little bit of SolidWorks. Yeah. I don't presume to be an expert in that. Yeah. And so when we're talking about um, a design and they make, they've got some SolidWorks models on the screen, I don't need to know how they are driving that. It's the idea that drives the discussion. Yeah. So um, in general, I'd say this this is true about all aspects of um of uh, design teaching mm-hmm. you don't have to be an expert in in uh, in everything mm-hmm. it's the the, the the idea the process is everything yeah and you should the tools are kind of interchangeable they have different strengths and weaknesses and you don't have to be an expert in every tool yeah that that's what I'd say otherwise you just go bonkers that's you true know, there's just not enough hours in the day so I would say ex- sorry no no that's okay um, there's something along the same lines was um, now that I've been out of conventional architectural practice for about almost two and a half years now, I've forgotten Revit. Um, It used to be my bread and butter and now when students ask a Revit question, honestly, sometimes I can't answer it. I need to actually go back and have a look at it, but there's nothing stopping you from guiding a fourth year level design student to bringing a concept to construction stage. Like you said, it's just the tool and there are multiple tools, so that's great, that's great. I mean, so many of those technical questions are discoverable online That's as well. True. Yeah. So you can usually find out the answer to a particular technique question by going online. So it's quite different from when I was a student and the early years of my teaching when we mm. didn't have Google searches and so on. That's true. You had to know this stuff. You know, it's very hard to discover the answers to things like that. Um, there was a big uh, barrier to that knowledge. Now it's uh, it's very transportable, very accessible and so you don't need to be the font of all knowledge in the design studio yeah you need i think the expertise teachers need to have to teach design is to be comfortable with the design process Mm -hmm. and guiding people through the process but they don't need to be experts in the tools that students could adopt so you could have people in in a classroom doing using quite different tools driven by their particular aptitudes and interests which might be quite different from how you do it. Yeah. And I think that's quite liberating. You know, teachers don't need to be experts in everything. Yeah. No, that's brilliant. And um, taking a step back here, 
and uh, going a little bit off-road actually do you think with the design process design thinking comes into play a lot yeah i guess um i i think that the phrase design thinking this is my take on it yep. okay um um, we have we have a word for when you use design process to solve ideas in the creation of products, environments, garments, yep. graphics. We call that designing. Mm-hmm. I think design thinking is the lessons people have taken from how designers work to be used in non-design areas. You know yep. what I mean? Like to me, it's a subset of design. It's That's not, interesting. Yeah, uh, maybe it's a Venn diagram in that design thinking is often used in business settings mm-hmm. um, where you're not necessarily creating things, you're not designing things, you're creating yeah. systems and um, various services, but you're using design thinking. So you're using uh, things that designers use for three-dimensional problem solving to design non-three-dimensional things. Yeah. Um, Outside of the design yeah. industry. So yeah. to me, design thinking is when we use design processes to de- um, outside the design professions. Yeah. So not everyone probably agrees with that. Yeah. Um, but that's my way of thinking about it. No, that's great. Yeah. Like, and something I've found in my own learning is that the you know when you research about the design thinking model, everything everyone has a slightly different take on it. Yeah. Some call it creative problem solving. Some call it design thinking. Some call it design process and um, ideas thinking and a whole bunch of these different labels to it at the end of the day um, something I do agree with you because at the end of the day the human is the center and a designer would put the user at the center and design a product whether yeah. it's industrial design or, yeah. or a space or whatever and then using that same process for outside of the design industry and people are bringing that knowledge on board um, so it, it's it's quite interesting and it, and always yeah. it fascinates me yeah, I mean, it interests me. I've had a look at a few books on design thinking. Yeah. And when you kind of decode the diagram, like you said, they've all got slightly different ways of representing it. Uh, often when you delve down into it, the part that designers do is actually quite a small part of many design thinking diagrams. Yeah. Um, and it leads on to other things which are more business operations and business processes, yep. you know, marketing and sales and stuff like that. Yep. So um, I think a lot of design thinking is actually organized for business purposes, mm-hmm. uh, out, not, not design businesses. And so I think it can be a bit disorientating if you, if you think you're teaching design, so you need to do design thinking. You'll find a whole lot of stuff which isn't to do with designing. That's true. Um, it's peripheral or yeah. later on in the process. Yeah. So I think that can be a little bit confusing to the novice. Yeah. So, um, I, yeah, I'd say uh, take it with a pinch of salt. There's design thinking books a little bit. Uh, no, definitely. Um, in the recent, we've been training teachers in design thinking and the actual process with a hands-on process so they understand yeah. what it's all about. And this is something that we've outlined. It is a process for business or any other industry, yeah. really. But... It, there are a lot of overlaps and and um, things that work for both parties. So understanding those things definitely yeah. the clarification is required. Um, looking back uh, um, at the students now, from a from a student's point of view, coming from um, high school through to university and then looking at the entering the industry, what pressures do you think they have with having to learn all these tech um, equipment, apps, tools? Um, the breadth of knowledge that's required compared to even when I was going through a student, I feel like has doubled. Hmm, I, I can quantify that? that myself. Um, I think 
design, uh, uh, the design education, tertiary design education has always been a, um, a, a very kind of heavy commitment for the student because there are just so many things you'd need to learn. Yeah. Um, maybe that's a change in degree, I'm not sure. Um, uh, I mean, uh, industrial design students have always had to work really long hours to, to become good at that because um, as, long as, as well as mastering a whole lot of knowledge, a whole lot of information, so technical stuff like manufacturing processes, materials, um, uh, ergonomics, things like that, um, there's a whole lot of knowledge to be acquired, but at the same time there's a whole lot of skills to be developed and refined. So traditionally that was drawing and drafting um, and a whole lot of hands-on model making. Mm-hmm. I think nowadays um, that's still true. There's a lot of knowledge and a lot of skills to acquire. Some of the old skills are, are no longer essential mm-hmm. and new ones have replaced them. Mm-hmm. So I think whereabouts, when I was a student, we learned a lot of, I mean, I learned to use lathes and milling machines um, yep. to make uh, very uh, precise models. Nowadays, that's going to be handled by a, a CNC box or a 3D, a 3D printing, printing box. Yep. So um, that's a different set of skills where the box does a lot of the hard stuff for you but you've got to know a lot about how to drive it correctly. So those skills have, have changed, but they're all in service of exploring lots of ideas, many ideas, refining them to produce a, a really polished, successful solution. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, I, um, yeah, maybe you're right. Maybe it is greater than it used to be. I, I'm, I'm not so sure. I just don't know. Yeah. Oh no! I um yeah. the it thought is, was, it is intimidating. <laughs> it is the thought yeah. the, the thought was um in my mind because when we when I was in first year the number of softwares that I had to learn, um I didn't really find out about that stuff until I actually came into first year, and then compared to that now on top of with the applications and then rendering pro- programs and the different types of plugins to each program, um it's it's becoming much more competitive as well, and um, students who are learning Revit alone, for example, versus Archicad from an architectural point of view, or in an industrial point of view, it might be SolidWorks and um, I don't know whether, is there a competing one for industrial design? Industrial, uh, I think some of the uh, alias might have uh, some packages. We use SolidWorks because that's what all the industrial design practices locally yep. and in Australia use predominantly. Yep. Um, Actually, something that just crossed my mind, do you use Inventor at university and do you think they no, we don't. use it? I think in, uh, we've had some students this year say, can we use Inventor? Do we have to learn SolidWorks? Yeah. And the answer <laughs> is always, yes, you have to learn SolidWorks. No, you can't use Inventor. Um, I mean, ideally, these skills, uh, the skills you develop in one software package are transferable. Yep. So it's actually um, the way you think uh, when you're making uh, a 3D model inside a computer Many of those processes are the same for different software packages. Yep. They just maybe have different commands and um, different ways to the same place, mm-hmm. but they should be transferable. Um, I suppose in, in coming back to your question about, um, you know, do university students have an intimida- intimidating amount of mm. knowledge to acquire? Um, I guess my observation is that it's similar to the way it's always been in that people prioritize skills that they think are very marketable things that will get them the job yeah students at uni always uh, gravitate 
uh, give, when given the preference about learning something theoretical or learning um, something that's a, 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 you know a tool, um, they'll go for the tool because that gives them they can demonstrate that clearly. Um, it's the our students need the technical knowledge. Uh, in industrial design and the CAD knowledge because that's what they usually get employed at. They get employed to do, to to sort of work under someone else executing mm-hmm. things and fi- working out the details. Yeah, We're really keen to make sure that design graduates at QT uh, are not just good employees but good competition for their employees. You yeah. know what I mean? So yeah. we need to produce designers who can actually take leadership roles, not just be good employees but actually set up their own firms perhaps eventually perhaps not immediately but be able to uh, be well-rounded enough not to just follow orders yeah to make orders so to speak yeah so um, you know at uni we want to, to be a, a producer well-rounded graduate not just someone who's highly skilled in following someone else's instructions yeah um, I can definitely vouch for that <laughs> <laughs> yeah absolutely look at what you're doing um, so yeah, I guess um, I think yeah, it's it's definitely doable. Mm-hmm. It does demand a lot of a university student, though. It is a demanding thing to study, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Um, now, actually, being in tertiary education and working with secondary edu- educators at the same time, uh, what are, what are the biggest observations that you have that sets apart the two um, sectors almost, especially in teaching, and then from a student's point of view? Do you think? What do you think? Well, I when I was I've been involved with QCAA for quite a long time now. Um, in the graphic syllabus early on, uh, oh, about ten years ago, I think can't remember exactly, and most recently in the design syllabus. I think the design syllabus is, if I do say so myself, mm-hmm. uh, a really a really good syllabus. step in the right direction. Yeah, no, I, I I was never sat well with the original technology studies and graphics. I I, I think there were two sides of the same coin and I think it's much more integrated uh, uh, now so mm-hmm. I like where it's going it's not fi- it's not there yet but it's definitely a good thing yeah um, I think the big challenge is I, I guess what I was where I was coming from on that is that one of the things that struck me um, working with QCAA in the writing team this time around is the kind of stuff that teachers have to deal with I don't have to deal with the same kind of bureaucracy the same kind of language um, at uni, I get to teach the thing I know an awful lot about, um, or a fair bit about, um, or pretend to know a lot about, <laughs> and um, you know I, I can concentrate on industrial design. Yeah, I teach some design to first years in all disciplines, but design principles. Um, but I, um, you know, I get to focus. Now, uh, at the high school, uh, teachers don't have that luxury to just teach the types of design they're interested in. They have to teach everything uh, broad, uh, a design process that's broad, yeah, and allow students to um, design things in the area that calls to them, mm. be it a building, a garment, um, an interactive experience, a product, or a landscape, yep. or an interior space. So I think that's um, quite challenging, and that was something... When we first started writing the syllabus, I'm thinking, how would I do that? You know, that that's tough, you know. And my understanding of it now is that I, I think, as I was saying before, I think it, uh, the way to deal with that as a high school teacher is not to present yourself as an expert in all types of design, um, to have some things that you find personally quite interesting and you can speak 
authoritatively in terms of examples in those areas mm-hmm. uh, like you might be really into architecture and that can be the thing that you illustrate examples with occasionally um, but I think it's about running the process um, uh, and the design process is a robust tool for discovering things that you didn't know about the problem generating lots of variety um, researching what uh, researching so you know how to judge what's a good solution and a bad solution and the process is a machine for generating ideas and helping you refine through to something that is an optimal solution given the current circumstances mm-hmm. it's always a compromise yeah um, so as long as you're familiar with that process and you can trust it you can help uh, teach that to students yeah. um, without being an expert on everything so I think they are the tertiary and the, and the secondary spaces in design teaching uh, have quite substantial differences um, but the process is what binds it all yeah. um, keeps it working and makes those uh, things work yeah. yeah I love honestly love the way you I can genuinely see the passion while you're talking about it so that, that's great um, sorry that was I, a bit I, well <laughs> that's a I think I think that's a good point. I think everyone who's a professional designer or trained to be a professional designer, like yourself, it's passion that gets you through. That's true. Because it's a long road, isn't it? <laughs> oh, definitely. <laughs> There's four years undergraduate. That that, that that's just that yeah. Two years of masters. Yep. Um, you know, uh, all that kind of stuff. It's a long road. Yep. And the only thing that gets you there is passion. Yeah. You can be talented, but not passionate, and you won't make it. Definitely. And I think it's that passion that is uh, what teachers need for design i think um, the passion makes it exciting and contagious your students will catch that from yep. you uh, some of them not all of them perhaps that's okay it's not for everybody perhaps um, but the passion drives you to acquire the skills that you need and um, and also the passion drives you to enjoy what you're doing and make it fun and i think um, i think that's the biggest challenge of teaching design is making it fun each step of the way yeah and uh, sometimes that's not always easy Um, (laughs) especially when you look at the syllabus and you look at the content that teachers need to cover certainly in unit one and unit two Mm. it's quite a confronting list of things yeah and i i would say to teachers looking at that and you know, feeling the, that tension in the pit of their stomach is it's okay. You don't have to be an expert in that. It's 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 broaching a lot of topics and uh, uh, building enthusiasm. And students will follow those things. You know, it's about making a, an environment where people can follow their passions yeah. and learn more about things that really excite them. Yeah. And um, that's what makes the design studio classroom so much fun. Yeah. It's not everyone in lockstep doing exactly what you say yeah it's everyone going in different directions and you kind of keeping a handle on the complexity level yeah not letting it get too hard for them not letting it get too easy where it bores them yeah it's about pitching the the design problems at the right level for them and that's true at uni um and it's true at high school Yeah. yeah and um something that i've observed is that you know at a, at a tertiary level uh, um you would tutors are encouraged to facilitate rather than teach um, yeah. you know quote unquote 
spoon feed them whereas um, at a high school level that's um, followed in a slightly different way they, they've been given very specific in, in, um, instructions to follow do you think that um, at a high school level teachers should engage a more facilitation approach for design or still stick with the teaching approach yeah um, I'm trying to remember the right terminology um, for the two different um, I forget them um, uh, the, the one approach is very prescriptive and the other is is sort of very open um, and uh, I, that's right constructivist um, and I guess what I find with my teaching is in the, in the first semester I'm, I'm more prescriptive mm-hmm. and as that semester kind of ends and blends into the second semester I get more constructivist I, I'm, I give students more autonomy mm-hmm. as they go on so I think it's a useful thing to do in the high school space is to have some quite prescriptive exercises and techniques which let students build confidence in in parts of the design process. Um, you know, you can practice doing a particular type of thing for a while. Yep. Um, and uh, it's it's really about building that confidence. And um, and then as they get more confident, they can get more. They can exercise more autonomy and more control within the design process, and yep. and and go off in different directions. So, um, yeah, I guess um, my answer to your question is both. You know, like I I think giving a, a, a mentoring students on the process is always the the main thing. Yeah. Um, and in the in the early starting off things, helping them with you need to do this, then this, then this, mm-hmm. fairly nuts and bolts stuff is is helpful for building their confidence yeah. yeah it's um it's something that i firmly believe whenever i'm teaching whether it's fourth years or um first years is that because it's design i'm always trying to facilitate as much as possible after i've been prescriptive with the direction that they need yeah. to take because something i've found is like if i'm trying to teach rather than facilitate then i'm kind of imparting my own biases yes, and you know I get you upbringings and you know thoughts and ideas to influence their design so i'm always trying to be aware of that and facilitate them after they get to that level though mm-hmm. um for them to carry on what it whatever their unique design style might be and it, and it shouldn't be me mm-hmm. um i don't want you know create 20 copies of myself it needs to be whoever they are so that's that's great i'm really no, that, that's really true uh, i i absolutely agree with you so facilitating their own discovery yeah um is is really important I guess I think of it as co-discovery. You're kind of working shoulder to shoulder, discovering um, uh, um, ideas or solutions for a given design challenge. Um, and it's not like you have the answers in the back of the book. Yeah. Um, one of the things I say to my students, um, I think a good tutor is a facilitator, mm-hmm. but it can be frustrating for novice students when all the all their tutor is doing is asking them provocative questions. Yeah. I think sometimes they, hey, throw us a bone, you know, <laughs> which is this one good or is this one good? Yeah. Um, and I think, I think a little bit of that kind of of yourself in, is fine as well. No, um, definitely. It's about finding that balance as they get better, yeah. get, get more familiar with it. I get that question thrown at me all the time. Students are like, just tell me what to do or, yeah. or pick one. And yeah. I always give them a my answer but I always give a little bit of a disclaimer saying that um, this is my point of view only you shouldn't actually go with it just because I've said it 
Um, if you think it's a bad choice with the design, then you know go with the direction that you think is the right thing. Mm. So that's that's great. I would say to students, I can tell you what I would do. Yep. But I'm not the designer in this conversation. Exactly. So I can suggest why don't you try this, but I am not going to try it and then discard it if it doesn't work exactly. or change it into something else. So my students say, oh, that's a great idea. I'm going to do that. I say, well, I might still fail you for that, you know, because I'm not in a position to know if that's going to work. Correct. I can give you a suggestion and you can investigate it, yeah. but it's up to you to discard it or morph it, you know, and to make it work. It's not my responsibility to make it work. Yeah. So you can ask me, but it's your responsibility. Yeah. No. Yeah. no, that's great. And it gives so, them a level of accountability as well, I think. They don't like design. hearing that, I should add. They don't like no, hearing no, that. They don't definitely. like hearing that very much. <laughs> um, yeah. and, uh, but anyway, I think uh, we're almost up for our time. But um, one of the last things I wanted to ask was obviously coming from such an experienced place. Um, do you have any pearls of wisdoms um, that you would like to share with you know design educators on design or in education as a in a general way? Um, I think... Uh, uh, what I probably echo some of the things I've already said. I think it's about um, building confidence, um, helping um, new students of design building confidence in a process, so they can feel that they 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 don't need to know the answer at the start. Uh, when you give a student a design problem, they really want to know: Can I do it? Do I have a solution right now, right at the beginning? Um, that solution isn't worth having if it, if it, if you can. Have it right at the beginning. It's probably not much of a design task if that's if it's that obvious. Um, so you want to give them, uh, help them build confidence in the process, and know that they can trust themselves and you to guide them through that process to get a viable, optimal solution given yeah. the constraints. Um, so yeah, building that confidence. Um, we talked about enthusiasm, uh, super important. And passion. Yeah, passion. Yeah. That's right. Um, and I suppose the other thing I, I would try to do in the classroom is not try and hide my ignorance. So I, mm-hmm. um, there are a lot of things I don't know about, and um, when I when I think I know, uh, you know, when I've got some knowledge about a particular question, I'll say, ah, oh, you might try this and this and this. But if I don't know, um, then my advice is, how can we find out? So where should we go and look for that information? Who can we yep. talk to? What research can we do online? And so, um, to my mind, the design process is so worthwhile, um, not just for designers, um, uh, but for everyone, because it does teach you um, a way of researching, prioritizing, sorting through information, um, matching it up with ideas, not just having one idea and betting the farm on one idea, yep. but having this iterative approach to often yeah, just coming up with lots and lots of possible ideas and as you go through the process, learning more about what makes it a, a good idea or a bad idea and helps you decide. So that process is it. And I'd say you don't need to present to your students as the great god of design. Um, you just mean it's kind of like we're in this together. Yeah. And um, we'll adjust the project. We'll adjust the challenge as we go, as we learn new things. Yep. You know. So we'll start out doing X and if, it, if we hit a wall, I'm 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 able to tweak that and say okay we're going to do Y now yeah and so it's about that discovery together not having all the an- you don't you don't want or need all the answers to the the design challenge at the start you want a process that helps you acquire them yeah that's yeah. brilliant so you're in there together 
definitely i definitely i think vouch for the same um process as well when we're regardless of the experience level like you said the process is still the same and and you are in it together so that's that's brilliant thank you so much andrew great talking to you thank you so much for your time